Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Alpine Church on our online service. My name is Chris Duran. I'm one of the teachers here, and I'm honored and excited to be with you today. Hey, we've got some really exciting news for you. Uh, starting next week, all of our campuses across the area will be open for live services. Uh, we've actually been doing a lot of things to make sure that our campuses are safe and sanitized, and uh, we look forward for the time that we all get to worship together. Hey, it's totally up to you on if you want to come and when you want to come, but please know that we are excited to get together. And you know, isn't it interesting that we've had so much time with our families during uh, the quarantine COVID lockup? And for me, uh, I've really had the opportunity to connect and to bond with my family. Uh, specifically with my daughter, Brecken, she's seven years old. Uh, some of the things that we've been able to do, uh, we've gotten a newfound love for puzzles. Believe it or not, me and my daughter, we have been doing 1,000-piece Puzzles, And it's been interesting how this has worked out. I, I started out putting a lot of the pieces together and, and very slowly I would give my daughter Brecken these pieces and she would begin to put them in place. And after a lot of time, we begin to see the puzzle kind of come together. And I want to be honest with you, uh, 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 after this puzzle was being put together, I got sick of doing it. And so what I said to my daughter is, babe, you can do this. You've done all of these things, now you can do this on your own. And she would say, no, Daddy, I want you there with me. And so I would, again, do this puzzle with her. And finally, it got to the point where I said, I am not going to do this anymore. And so I said, Brecken, you've got this. You can do this. You can finish the puzzle. And believe it or not, after a certain amount of time, uh, she came down and told me that she was able to put all of the pieces together. And when I went up and saw the puzzle in completion, we celebrated together. You know, when I think about that, uh, I want you to ask the question, have you ever started a project that you wanted to hand off to someone? You know, maybe it's a work project, maybe it's a puzzle, maybe it's a family business, but you wanted them to succeed. Did you know that Jesus actually did the same thing for you and for me? Jesus did the same thing for his followers. He came to this world on mission, and after he completed his mission, he wanted to hand it off for his people to keep going on the good work. You know, I think about this, uh, for most of us, we think of, of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection and, and we're so honored and humbled in awe. We think of all of the amazing things that Jesus did in his teaching and in and, and his miraculous works and we're humbled that he would give his life for you and for me and that he would do that so that we could be in relationship with the living God. And we, we think of the, the power and the great wonder of the resurrection that he defeated death so that one day that we could spend eternity with him. But have you ever thought about and have you ever contemplated what happened next? Have you thought about the ascension of Jesus? You know, the truth is, for many of us, we don't really talk about the ascension very much. You know, we celebrate the other events, but we don't celebrate the ascension. But the truth is, for us and for followers of Jesus, the ascension has great implications for us. Uh, but when you, we read the story, we see that it didn't just end there as a good story. We see that Jesus went to heaven and he gave his followers, his people, great instruction. 
And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the ascension of Jesus and what that means for us. You know, the Bible says that 40 days after Jesus died, he went up into heaven. And we're going to pick up the story and see how this impacts his followers today. Uh, We're going to start in Luke chapter 24. Uh, We also are going to spend some time in Acts where both of these stories collide together. Let's read here. Luke 24, 44 through 48. It says, Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and would rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all of the nations beginning in Jerusalem. That message, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of these things. Now, I think it's important for us to understand what Jesus is saying here. And remember, this is Jesus giving great instructions to his followers shortly before he is going to leave the earth. And I believe he's giving them a pretty good idea of what he wants them to know. He's giving them instructions, and I believe he's doing the same for us. That leads us to our first point is that Jesus paved the way for us by enduring the greatest suffering. He humbly fulfilled his mission and finished his mission so that we could boldly start ours. Now, can you imagine just for a moment what the disciples must have been thinking here? I mean, remember, some 43 days before this, they just witnessed their Messiah, their king, being brutally murdered. In fact, he he was sent to the worst crime possible, and and he was hung on a cross, and he died right in front of them. But, But after the mourning and the sadness and the sorrow, we know as we read the story that they went back to the tomb, and Jesus had defeated death. And, and here's what's so interesting is that not only did Jesus just defeat death, but he shows up on scene and he comes and he's be speaking with them and he's telling them. And so all of these things are happening right there. And, and, and it's all these crazy emotions happening. It's up and down and it's, it's here and there. And I can only imagine what this began to feel like for them. And so now here you have Jesus in this moment and he's saying some last words. He's saying some departing words before he's going to leave them again. Now, doesn't this feel like the days of our lives opera? Like you couldn't imagine the story being any crazier for these guys. But what he says to them, he says, even though I'm not going to be here much longer, I'm going to use you in a way that you've never been used before. He says that even though I'm going to be leaving you, I'm going to use you to finish the mission. I'm going to use you to start something that you couldn't even begin to wrap your mind around. Now again, imagine this right here. What we're we're thinking is, is Jesus is saying this to them. And and through all of this, their Messiah is leaving. and, And I can only imagine the fear and the confusion and the doubt that they have. And what he's saying is, is I'm going to empower you. And they didn't quite know what that meant yet. You know, 
Here's some amazing news for us as well. You see, Jesus has the same mission for you and for me. And I know for many people, I even know for myself that that at times is is scary and it's uh, fearful to, to tell people about Jesus and to do all of these things that he's asked you to do. But not only does he promise to empower them, he promises to empower us. He calls us to give the world hope and love and a message that will change their life. And as scary as that might have seemed for them and for you and for me, we see the promise that comes from Jesus. That leads us to our second point. You see, the commands that Jesus gave to his disciples would require something that they didn't yet possess. The Holy Spirit is the source of strength that they would need and that Christians would need after Jesus had left. You see, as difficult as this would have been for them, Jesus says, listen, this is the best thing that can happen to you. And you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, the best thing that could happen to us is that our coming king, our Messiah, the one who we just watched witness defeat, sin, and death in the grave, is now going to leave us? Like, that's the best thing for us? Well, it's interesting because when Jesus was with them and they were going from place to place, he actually told them this in John 16, 7. He said, listen, in fact, it's best for you that I go, that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. By going away, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new power. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that will give you what you need to fulfill your mission. So that the very presence of God would be in every single one of his followers. Now, If you think about that for just a moment, that is extremely powerful. And the truth is, is not only were they called to complete the mission, but we too, as followers of Jesus Christ, are called to complete the mission that God wants us to do, which is to tell the world about him. Now, I love this part of the story in Luke 24, verse 49. It says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power of from heaven. Now, I, I, I love the Bible. I love that there's so many things in here that just makes us laugh at, at times. I mean, I think about what they're going through, and I don't know about you, but I'm the, the pessimist, right? I'm the guy uh, kind of in the back of, of, the, of the 12, us misfits, and I'm thinking to myself, well, um, Jesus, you're already here right now, and, and you're God, and you're the king, and you just defeated death, so why don't you just do what you got to do? And when you do it, we'll just be a part of it and we'll celebrate together. Or, you know, Jesus, we, we love you so much and we believe in you, but, but you want us to tell the nations? I mean, we've had a hard enough time here uh, just reaching Jerusalem, as you said. And what he says to them is, is, is so funny. He said, listen, this is coming for you, but be patient. I mean, be patient. We, we just watched you die. We just w- watched you walk around as you defeated death. And now you're telling us that you're ready to leave and you want us to be patient? Man, this is so, so difficult. But he says, trust me. I will empower you. I will use you. I'm going to do three things in you and through you that are going to fulfill the mission that I've called you to do. 
And when that fear comes and when the worry comes and the doubt comes, I will be with you. I will give you the words to say. I will give you the steps to take. I will give you everything that you need through my presence in and through you. You know, uh, and here's the cool thing about this story. He says that it's just going to start with a few of you. He's, he's talking to his disciples. But what they don't yet know is that he's going to use them to start this massive movement. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, that they're going to tell the world about him and those numbers are going to begin to grow and they're going to become the church, God's church. Uh, we hope that you stick around with us next week or you join us next week because we're going to be starting a series talking about what the church actually really is. And here's the thing. You see, the church, God's people, you and me, could do much more than one man Jesus could do alone on mission. Let me, let me explain that to you. It says this in John 14, 12. Again, Jesus was teaching them as he was ministering to those around him. And he said this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Now, uh, you know, you're like, wait a minute, wait, what did you just say, Jesus? <laughs> you are going to go, uh, you're gonna, we're going to do greater works than you? Uh, no, you just defeated death. You just defeated sin in the grave. I've seen you raise the dead to life. I've seen you lay hands on people. I've seen the miraculous happen. And you're telling me that I, uh, a fisherman or I, a misfit, am going to do the same things? I'm going to be like God? That's bananas. But he says, yes, exactly. That's what I'm going to do. And you see, this isn't, I don't believe that he was saying that you're going to be better than God. That's impossible. But what he was saying is, is that I'm going to use you to reach the masses. And it's going to be so much more powerful than just me. And you know what? Jesus and his 12 disciples, they spent a lot of time together. And they reached a lot of people. If you read story after story, the Bible says that wherever Jesus went, there were a lot of people. But that was in that area. Now think about all of the people in the world. And God says, we are going to do that together. You know, uh, every year, my wife and I, we, uh, we take care of our yard and we use soil pep. And so if you know what soil peps is, it's stuff that you put around the area to kind of spruce up your flower beds and things of that nature. And, and I'd like to say we have a decent sized yard. And every year, it's the same thing. They come and drop this massive load of soil pep at the edge of our street. And shovel by shovel and wheelbarrow by wheelbarrow, I reluctantly wheel that off. And I say bad things in my head. And, and I do things that I don't want to do. And I say, why haven't I hired this out? And, and I drop it off to my beautiful bride and she spreads it in. And I always think to myself, man, if we were to hire this out, think of how much less stress it would be on us. Or, man, if we just had a little bit of help, how much more can we get done in less than a day or usually that it takes? And I kid you not, it was about a month ago, as I'm thinking about what are we going to do in the yard, I watched this large truck pull up down into our cul-de-sac. We live into a cul-de-sac, and out of this truck comes about 10 of these bustling teenage boys, and, and they have this big truck full of soil pep. And I literally watched these 10 kids put soil pep on three of my neighbor's yards in less than 30 minutes. 
And I'm thinking to myself, this is exactly what I've been thinking about every year. And then I said, well, I'm angry. Why aren't they doing it at my house? But here's the truth. Ten young, burly young men can get so much more done than one 40-year-old, washed-up old guy and his beautiful bride. And you see, that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, listen, I came to fulfill my mission, the mission that only I could complete, the mission that God sent me to do, to to die on this earth so that you could be in relationship with God. But now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you power and boldness and wisdom to reach the masses, which is more than me and 12 could ever begin to do. You know, this is so important for us to see because not only is Jesus saying this to his disciples, but we need to to look at God's word and we need to see that he's also saying that to us. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he is saying that it is our responsibility to be on mission, to complete the project, to do what God has called us to do. And you might be thinking, well, this is a cool story, right? This is Jesus and the disciples. What does this have to do with me? Well, again, I think it has everything to do with you and with me. Let's look at the last point. Even though Jesus' mission on earth was complete, there is more work to be done. He wants his everyday followers, that's you and that's me, to carry out the rest of the mission. Let's, Let's pick up the story here towards the end and we're going to do that in, in Luke 24:50. And just as Jesus had instructed them and, and was telling them what they were going to do, he's promised this power and he's going to send this power and he's now getting ready to leave him. And it says this. It says, Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. What an, what an amazing sight. And so they worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy and they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. You know, there, there are a few important things that happened with the ascension of Jesus. We just talked about one, which was the Holy Spirit coming to his people to empower his people. But the other thing is, is that when Jesus ascended into heaven, we see that he completed his earthly work. We see that he completed what he came to do. He completed his earthly mission because, you see, what happened was before Jesus, uh, if there was sin and separation from God, there were certain things that had to happen. There were sacrifices that had to be made over and over and over again by the right person at the right time. There were rules and guidelines and laws to follow, and we could never measure up to those things. But you see, Jesus came to end that once and for all. We see this in Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 12. It says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And it says this, It says, then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. When we look at this verse, there is some extreme significance and symbolism to this. 
Because when we see that he sat down in the place of honor and of authority next to God the Father in heaven, it was him symbolizing that his work on earth was complete, that every law and every ritual and all of the sacrifices were complete for all time. And so what he was saying is that salvation is secure for those who put their faith in me. And so what he's saying is, is I'm literally sitting down and I'm sitting next to the Father and now I am then rooting you on and my plan, my mission that I completed on earth is now to be fulfilled and followed by through my people, through you, to give that to everybody, to be the hope to the hopeless, to, to be the, the words to those who need it, to be uh, my hands and my feet, to reach the lost, to show them that there is nothing else needed to be done with salvation. It's not about how good they are or how good you'll be, or your good works, or your good deeds. There's no more sacrifices. There's no more rules and guidelines and regulations. It's saying that I, Jesus, am enough. And if you put your faith in me, you are made new and whole again. And you can be in relationship with the living God. And he says, literally, my work is done. Nothing needs to be added to that work. But he says, now... There's more to it. And this is where you and I come in. Let's see the end of the story. So powerful. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. He says, After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Again, roller coaster ride of emotions here. I mean, can you just begin to imagine what they're feeling? And it says, as they strained, as they are watching their Messiah, as they're watching their king leave, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. You know, here's some amazing news. One day, the Bible promises that Jesus will come back for his people and he will take us into heaven, uh, into a place where there is no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more shame, no more sin, no more brokenness. It'll be everything made new and we will be in the presence of the almighty God. But he says, until then, there is more work to do. People, our world, our families, our neighbors, our coworkers, uh, you know, other worlds, they need to know Jesus. They need to come into a saving relationship with him. And listen, I can't, I can't blame them for staring into heaven with their, with their mouths open wide, witnessing this amazing thing. But the angels say, listen, don't stand there. You have work to do. It's time. You are being ushered in to a new era where I will use the whole, where God will send the Holy Spirit to use you to reach the world for Him, to be on mission and to point people to Jesus. We have work to do. And so here's the question. What is that work that we're to do? You see, Jesus' part is done. Our part isn't yet complete. And so he's calling us to do more, to be on mission. And so what does that look like? Well, first and foremost, that means that if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that's the most important thing that could ever happen. The Bible says we all have a chasm between us and God, and it's called sin. And because of that sin, we're separated from him for eternity. And see, that mission that Jesus came, he came to fill the void. 
He came to, to be the bridge of that chasm to point us back to God. And if you haven't done that, we ask and pray that you would do that today. We'll have uh, leaders and pastors uh, online that would love to share with you how to do that in the, chat, in the chat area. But if you have done that, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life and you've accepted his earthly work, you then are called to be on mission. You're called to get to work. And so what does that look like? Well, that means that we start pointing people to Jesus. Very simply, it means that I point my family to Jesus, my kids, my wife, that I, that I point them to Jesus, that I disciple them, that I mentor them, that I allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak through me, to, to reach out to my coworkers and to my neighbors and to my friends and to my family members, all these people that I have influence of. And it's, it's, it's literally God saying, it is your time now to finish what I have started so that when I come back to get you, to take you back to heaven, we can usher the masses into the glorious presence of God. Please remember that the ascension of heaven, or of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus going into heaven, uh, isn't just a great event that happened to us that we should just remember and celebrate. It's actually a reminder that we are called to come alongside the God of heaven and of earth and to tell as many people about his love for them and to reach the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us so much that you would give your life for us so that we could be in relationship with you. And God, let the outpouring of that not just be gratitude, but let it be a fire that's lit in us because God, you've deposited the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our hearts to empower and to bolden us to go out and to reach the world, to make disciples of all nations, to, to, to bring your word to the ends of the earth. God, let it encourage us and spur us on to start now. In the name of Jesus, we pray.